Hi, you are listening to Mediation Station, and this is your host, Greg Fenton. Each week we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus ca and 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. Also visit YouTube to see channels for both CHHA, 1610 AM, and Greg Fenton. Listen to podcasts of each radio show at both SoundCloud.com and at iTunes Podcasts by searching under Mediation Station in the Arts Area. Follow us on our Twitter account, which is at Fenton Mediation. Our topic tonight is called Parenting Planning Through Life-Altering Times. And with me for conversation is Laura Tarcia. How are you doing? Good evening. Um, I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, too. It's good to know, and it's good to hear. It's good to hear your voice, uh, and uh, I wish I was there closer in person, but uh, we'll make the best out of uh, what life throws at us, right? Yeah, you got to connect with the moments, and I think make the best of those moments, because uh, the moments are going to happen regardless of whether we want them or not. It's the quality of the moments that we, how we intersect with those. Right. That's the only control we have. That's how, how we approach those moments. Yeah. Be aware and then make conscious decisions on how you want to best deal with it and go along with that in some way to try to create or affect the change rather than letting it all happen to you. Of course, reality is many things we cannot control, and that's part of our conversation tonight. Parenting planning through life-altering times. So uh, I want to start with asking you, as a family mediator, what do you see as your purpose with clients? Um, I, I believe the purpose, uh, as I see it, for is to guide, to help guide families through their transition of reorganizing their separation and divorce. I only specialize in family mediation as it relates to separation and divorce. Right. Uh, so when couples separate, uh, there's uh, other types of family mediations out there, but this is what, just to give context, uh, those are the families that I usually work with, and they are looking, um, in my view, they're generally looking for guidance and support and resources, and that's what uh, I see that my purpose is as I, uh, I, uh, I support them through this transition. And why have you made that conscious decision? to focus in terms of people experiencing those particular kinds of circumstances, especially in relation to the broader world of family mediation, which is part of the broader world of mediation. Why do you focus on that form of relationship? Um, because I feel it's important that I, I feel that that's, that's important for the families. And it is important for me to be that part of um, of their um, uh, of their journey, to be that support during their journey. Um, I'm not sure if I answer the question. Uh, yeah, honest. well, just trying to say, okay, for yourself, you decided to pick a career, and you wanted to do this, and then you said, okay, from these possibilities, I want to do mediation. And then I want to focus specifically in family. And then family can, can involve a series of different things, including elder care, for example. Mm-hmm. You decided not to do that. You decided to consciously do people experiencing the transition of their intimate relationship from a couple to being separates. Right. To, to reorganizing their family, uh, really, because uh, we we oftentimes tell families that uh, they will continue to be a family, only they will look a little different, and uh, there's still elements that will be consistently sort of existing through their future relationship in their post-separation journey chapter uh, that will be familiar, and some of them are going to be new, and those are the elements that we're there to support them through, how to navigate and how to create those uh, those terms surrounding the new family, the new uh, reorganization of their families. Why I chose uh, to yeah. focus on this particular um, sort of segment 
is because I, well, it's just my, my own personal journey as well, but that's not necessarily the, the, the trigger. Um, I think the trigger started uh, a little bit selfishly, to be honest, because my background is in mental health, and I was pursuing a career in mental health and uh, therapy and mm-hmm. counseling. Yeah. And um, all of a sudden, I noticed that I want to he- hear both sides of the story. <laughs> I, I I think I wouldn't have never been satisfied just to hear one side of the story. So I think it just like uh, natural curiosity would have all, always left me a little bit um, lacking. Well, in terms yes, uh, yes, very lacking in terms of my career. If I would not have found out the other side of the story and finding out the other side of the story, especially in a separation and divorce, as painful as it may be. Uh, I came across through my through my life, so personal life. I've came ac- across through very bad separations and very good separations. Yeah. And I really wanted to focus on instilling and reminding families that there is hope, and in a in something that may be perceived as a negative, or something that may be perceived as damaging. And that there there are ways to deal and manage uh, this particular element in a, in a way that it's still going to continue to be a healthy relationship. It's just going to be different. Yeah, it's like reformatting it because as individuals, we function in our lives and go about our daily responsibilities our way. And then we connect with somebody and we forge a, a couple type of relationship and then... Over time, things happen. We may may have children or or not, and mm-hmm. then uh, things happen again. And there's something that you know intersects in in terms of the people's lives. And someone says, "Okay, I can't continue this way, and so I want to transition to another way." And I, I would think that those kinds of experiences for people when they make a conscious decision because usually i i believe from my experience one person makes a conscious decision to end the relationship or transition it or reformat it to another way and then there's the other person on the receiving end of that who might be totally unaware or unexpecting of it it's very it's very common uh we we see this all the time i see this all the time that uh that that's that's right one person has already been making the conscious decision has already uh moved uh forward and uh and the other person is sometimes um shocked uh, in disbelief um has all sorts of uh, emotions attached and associated to that event that it feels like it's happening to them so they don't feel that they've been part of the um of of the decision making which is a very difficult uh, it's a very difficult uh, message to receive um at you <laughs> yeah especially when it's so unexpected and you're going around your your life doing whatever you do your norm and then all of a sudden whatever it comes to your attention that hey guess oh, what yeah yeah and and it's painful yeah, I would think it's so profound. Yes, it is. It is. It is painful, and those are the emotions. And it's profound, absolutely. And it's shattering. It's disruptive of the entire core. Core, and uh, those are sometimes the uh, emotions that families bring at the at the table. And uh, I feel that um, there is there is a way to carefully, cautiously, and appropriately navigate those emotions in order to promote some form of healing and moving forward. And that is where I want to be. I like to be in the middle of, uh, of all of that, of all of those emotions, and, uh, and try and help this, uh, uh, this individual see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Which I know it sounds like a cliche, but there is a there is always a light at the end of a tunnel. That's the hope for to try to present to people, because they come in at that moment of the transition or the reality check when someone else says, uh, "We can't continue this way. I can't continue with you this way," and so, oh, you know, the other person on the receiving end of that message is just caught off guard many times. And the 
the person who makes that decision to transition and then share the information in whatever way they do, they're in a different place of trying to move along with their life and make different decisions with regard to the relationship, especially when it involves children. And in addition, there might be property. And so the person on the receiving end from your experience, how do they, how do they process that kind of information? Very differently than the last one. <laughs> so yeah. everybody, everybody processes things through their own, uh, uh, their own, the way that they, they're equipped um, and the way that they can at that point in time with whatever they have. Um, and I'm talking, you know, I'm talking capacity, I'm talking experiences, I'm talking uh, the the host of, of uh, factors that have created that person's awareness and understanding at that point in time. So it, that's why it's very, very different. I, I sometimes hear mediators say, oh, well, family mediation, everything is the same. You know, it, they all come with the same issues, uh, upset, divorce. Uh, property, children, and off they go. Um, and I find that so far from the truth. I find that uh, every single person is unique in the way that they approach a particular issue and how they deal with their emotions, especially if they are at the receiving end and they uh, of, uh, of getting the message. Um, and they not not only that they have to deal with what's happening in terms of concrete elements, if there is property or children or things like that, the day to day type of things. Yeah. But now they also have to reflect and figure out how to keep their own emotional sort of compass still in balance, so they can they can still be optimally functioning through whatever is happening to them. So it's uh, it they react. Everybody reacts very differently. So um, we I usually I usually engage in a very different approach generally with different people because one approach doesn't work with everybody. Uh, some people may need a little bit more information. Some people may need more resources. Some people may need a longer time in terms of holding hands. Uh, through some of this uh, emotions. Some people may need a little bit more communication back and forth. They need to talk more. They need to, we need to be available more as, as their mediator, as their resource. So we are going to, I am going to uh, make sure that I understand how they are dealing in the present time where yeah. they're trying to deal with their particular emotions and uh, and try and uh, find the, be the best course of action to support them through it. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, the reality is they ultimately have to deal with substantive issues or matters, i.e., if there's a child, there has to be child support, a means to financially enable the child to be raised in a safe and healthy and productive way. There may be um spousal support money that needs to be going to a spouse who needs support for a period of time to help transition with the change decision making about the child etc all these things so those are substantive things that we call the thing is though when people are informed or aware become aware of the message of the relationship you know there's this profound kind of reaction do they actually want to navigate with the substantive issues? Because aren't they, on the receiving end of that message, really caught up in the emotions of even possibly not even recognizing that this is a reality for a change? Uh, it's, a, it's, a very, it's, it, it's very difficult to answer that because you are right. It's going to be very difficult. It is very difficult for them to, to deal with the substantive issues when they're, when they're undergoing all of the emotional uh, yeah. uh, turmoil. Uh, but I think with, I think, uh, and that's just my opinion, I think with, with a little finesse mm. and with compassion and with empathy and equipped with the right sort of skills, you could potentially, as a, as, a, as a mediator or as a support person, you could bring about some of, the, some of those realities that need to be dealt with 
although in the midst of all of this. And what I usually encourage um, parents particularly is, especially when their children involved, and there's a greater responsibility than, you know, just, just uh, for yourself at that point. You have larger responsibilities because of the children and all the other stuff that needs to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. I, encourage, I encourage parents to never make a hasty decision. So don't rush when, they make, when, when you make a decision. Just try your very best to gather the information, to listen to the information that's being offered to you because we do provide a lot of information. I make a point to provide a lot of information, and I'm not sure how others do uh, uh, conduct the, their mediations, but for me, media, uh, for me, information is crucial because uh, that's how they're going to make their decisions. Mm-hmm. So. And I also encourage that they have some support in terms of their emotional support because uh, that's not what mediation is necessarily. We are we are careful around you know integrating the emotions because they are uh, they are part they are a critical part of the process. But um, individual support I think is crucial. So you know relying on a, on a friend or, or family support or some or a network, or a counselor, a priest someone in the community, I think that is a very, very um, mm-hmm. beneficial tool to have as you transition this and dealing with the emotions and also trying to deal with substantive issues. Okay. Trying to build upon this and giving a perspective of family mediation, because that's where our focus is tonight with parenting planning, and trying to unpack it in a way so people can appreciate just in general when people go through these profound moments of their lives when their relationships are transitioning from a couple to now being separates or individuals. I mentioned a couple of things. What are the types of things people are looking to deal with in family mediation, i.e. the type of work that you do? Uh, There's a few things, and uh, that changes sometimes depending on the context of their family and their family unit. But uh, the most common things that families are looking to to deal with are uh, issues such as property division, if there is any property. So how to divide that property, and you know who gets what, and how how they go about. What um, what can property include or involve? So property probably includes um, anything that has to do with uh, if it's land property, like a family home, uh, condos. Anything that is, and oftentimes parents don't know that or families don't know that, it doesn't matter if it's jointly owned. If, it's, if, if the couple is a legally married couple, property means everything that is in their names, like an asset, a, it can be a bank account, it can be a home, it can be a, a pension. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anything like that uh, that is under their individual name or jointly owned. So... So it basically encompasses everything that has a value, a dollar value to it, that you can associate with business, shares, all that stuff. Though, though I, I will say that in early February I had a show here, and it was on the uh, human being person, the human person and the animal person. And technically under Canadian, or at least Ontario law, Aww. pets, as they <laughs> call them, <laughs> are still considered... What's the P word? Pets uh, to property. And isn't that the saddest thing ever? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, we, we have families who who create a a dog plan, a parenting plan for yeah. their dog that's much more focused and detailed than for their own children. <laughs> so yes, it's very hard sometimes for them to hear that it is Still, their dog or their cat or their pet is still considered property under the law. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the reality is when you have a, a piece of land, you can sell it and then you can partition, like share the proceeds. How would you share the proceeds? Like, you, you, it's not a tangible thing, an animal. Like, you're not going to split them in half. Right. Of course, when you talk about planning, that talks about sharing the time with yes. the the animal in this case, though we're going to transition to talk more about the, the, the children, the human beings. 
so on the children that human beings are not considered property under the law, even though some parents may behave like that. Yeah, objects, right? <laughs> like objects, yes. So some parents may may act in uh, in in that fashion, but children are not property, and uh, uh, that's one of the items uh, that families are looking to create is what's called a parenting plan. Yeah. So how they're going to parent, how are how is their co-parenting relationship going to look like, and what are some of their terms, mutually agreeable terms, uh, for their uh, post-separation chapter as they parent their children. So what purpose would you say cre- the creation of a plan amongst parents about their children or child, depending on how many, and I would think the more children, that becomes a little more challenging to try to create that kind of parenting plan. Right. What, what is it? What is its purpose? Yeah, I, I know you talked about decisions with regard to that. What's its purpose? Who does it serve? Well, it serves it, it serves the entire family. Um, it, it it sets the foundation for co-parenting post-divorce and separation. So. It, it it has it's kind of twofold. So in terms of it, it it creates something that has to do with a schedule, but mm-hmm. it also creates something that has to do with decision making. So in terms of how parents are going to make decisions depending on what happens in their children's lives, um, what parents how parents are are going to share the time with the children in what in you know in in what capacity and what are the, some terms that they can um, sort of uh, create for both of their homes, if there are two homes where the children are going to go back and forth. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot that goes into a parenting plan. In, the reality is that it serves a purpose for everyone, and I feel that it creates that consistency, stability, and predictability for everybody involved because Really, in your parenting plan, when you add a schedule, for example, how the children are going to go back and forth and all that stuff, or how they're going to spend vacations or holidays with each parent, it creates, it lessens the anxiety also for the children because they will get to know where they're going at what time and also, you know, where they're spending their holidays or this holiday, how they're sharing some of their favorite, you know, Halloween things. That is ironed out. So it does allow it does allow predictability and consistency and stability, hopefully for for the children, but also for the parents. Yeah, I mean, I would think it helps to have it the life, that, especially with the transition, and the more people involved to have things organized, so that it's a known quantity. And when you say predictability, they people know according to a schedule what to expect on this day, uh, at this time in terms of an action or responsibility. And then I would think, especially depending on the age of the child, that the child would really be best benefiting from that kind of routine. Right. The child, yes, will will, will get to adapt to a new routine for sure and will benefit from having that um, uh, from having that routine hopefully implemented, you know, in both homes with parents being on the same page, yeah. Um, so that's that, that that is important, just for their for their own peace of mind as well, because they're still dealing. Children are dealing with their own individual um, matters as they grow. Um, so you know, the most the, the the more organized and the less the the less conflict or ha- having to you know. Uh, move back and forth with in being inconsistent the the less the less uh, uh, damage for the for the children not just short term but long term as well yeah and i know we we uh, traditionally use the word parenting plan and mm-hmm. ideally i believe for the most part that's created by quote the parents of the child or children mm-hmm. how much contribution does the child have with regard to the planning of its own life what's with not recall uh, reframing that from a parenting plan to a family plan. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point because the parenting plan is a child focused. It's supposed to be a child focused plan, so that will serve the best interest of the children and the well being and all of that stuff. So yes, I would imagine that uh, the parents 
in in my view, and we share this with parents oftentimes, is that they are the experts of their families. They know best what you know the schedule, a schedule would a good schedule or suitable schedule will look like um, over another. But unfortunately, um, it becomes a little the line becomes a little blurred uh, when when conflict you know, escalates or, or sets in into, in, in, into the separation. I'm not saying that all parents, uh, all parents are in conflict or even in a, in a dispute when they divorce or separate. Uh, we've, we've worked with families who have n- no disputes. They're, you know, they're going on the path uh, mm-hmm. pretty amicably. Uh, but it is very difficult to, I guess, uh, assess. Uh, sometimes the um, the voice of the child during this type of it is presumed that it's integrated into this parenting plan, and whoever the parents and the professionals helping develop this parenting plan does take that into account. And of course, you know what the 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 ha, the, the older the kids get, mm-hmm. um, the more input they will have in um, in 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 the terms of this uh, of this plan of this parenting plan because it will be almost impossible to create a plan for let's say a 17 year old uh where there there may there may be some things that he or she does not want to do so it will be a very difficult uh schedule to create without uh, that youth uh having an input yeah and i know that coming up i believe in june changes to the divorce act which is a federal statute will uh entail some changes to the terminology that's traditionally used from legalistic terms like mm-hmm. custody to decision making and access to you know parenting, parenting time. time so i mean i'm putting it out there to change parenting plan to to family plan so you know we talked about when the impact of hearing the message of a relationship transitioning and then people have to really process their emotions and their feelings you know, we talked about the person who makes the decision to transition with or end the relationship and the person on the receiving end it tends to react and they're caught up much more in a profound way with their emotions. In addition, you know, so that's a struggle from my experience. So what happens when the stress level rises because of a life-altering event? How does that contribute in any way? It contributes greatly. Uh, to the already stressful situation that many families fa- find themselves uh, at uh, uh, during this transition, um, so uh, you know the, they may uh, the the stress the stress can can create a completely new layer of issues and difficulties and challenges to already a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. So let's be specific here. For example, right now we're going through a totally, from my perspective, unexpected of the pandemic, COVID-19. And this has made a profound impact on our daily lives. Specific navigating over to the family court system. And that's basically almost shut down. Not totally. They're hearing urgent matters. How has the current situation of the pandemic contributed from your perspective with regard to the general nature of what people, you know, those tensions that they have in family matters? Well, I can give you examples that uh, we're already dealing with. So we have families who are now, um, unfortunately, uh, stuck in the same home. Um, it's sad to say, but they already had plans to move out, out of the home to transition into separate residences uh, to, you know, sell the home or to buy the other one out if there was, uh, if there was a, um, a, that kind of possibility. And now they're pretty much, uh, they're pretty much on pause. Everything is on pause and everything has been canceled. Um, and their, their separation proceeding still continues. Uh, in terms of in terms of uh, creating their their plan, their family plan, I like that a lot to be honest. Um, and in terms of creating their property division, so that still 
that still has to continue. Meanwhile, everything else is on pause until they don't know when. Yeah. Um, other examples that we see all the time now is uh, their parenting schedule has to change completely. Some it has to change a little bit and some it has to change a lot due to all the difficulties that everybody's dealing with because of COVID-19 and uh, due to just, you know, the transitioning, the fear, the social uh, isolation, the quarantining of some parents. Some parents have come back from holidays with the children and now they have to self-quarantine with the children while the other parent is now waiting to see their children and how those terms are going to be sort of formulated. It's going to be the next step. So we have parents coming and asking for help because they're pretty much stuck there are unprecedented times. They don't know how to deal with this. They don't want to expose their children for anything that may uh, cause a risk of con- uh, contracting the virus mm-hmm. uh, or for the other the co-parents, who contra- the, their households to contract the virus. The information, the media, the social media, the everything that is being thrown at these parents has caused tremendous amount of stress. Now, not just for themselves, but for their children, for their co-parents, and et cetera. But also from the perspective of the children, we see younger, older children who are able to express themselves and express their views uh, and and their fears and their anxiety that they want to see their co-parent. But now the co-parent, let's say in in, in one situation that we have, their co-parent lives in a blended family um, home. When you, when you say that, what do you mean? So when I say that, the, the, this child particularly has a step-children as well okay. and, uh, and have, have siblings in the other home. And they come and go at a different, at, at a, on a different schedule that this child is on. So you can see how, how the anxiety increases for this child going back to you know, their father, his father's home, for example. Mm-hmm. But his father's home is not, he's not alone, the father's home. There are other children coming in, stepbrothers, sisters, siblings, whatever the case may be. So that creates a lot of anxiety, and he also puts the child on hold. So now the child wants to pause this, uh, the, uh, this, the schedule. So there's, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of frustration um, on top of the fact that fa- families are trying to navigate an already difficult uh, time like a separation. Um, this is what kind of what we're, we're dealing with. This is what we see coming, um, you know, uh, a call, our calls for, for um, uh, guiding and support. Yeah, and, uh, and the ideal is when the situation in general, as you mentioned, is stressful because of the life-altering from that perspective and then when there's a another layer added on top with a whole bunch of components involved and as you mentioned we got to stay at home as much as possible um a lot of us can't go to work or we can't uh, congregate in public kids are off from school because those are closed Mm. and there's another a whole new condition of reality and so the idea is when people as parents can still navigate those cooperatively. There are situations where people take a different view. For example, for me, I have a guy who contacted me a couple of days ago. So he's got a court order that talks about child support or custody where the child resides with the birth mother. And so the birth mother is now restricting him from seeing the child at all. It's also complicated because he's a first responder. And so there's a higher probability that he may, you know, uh, experience the exposure to the virus. And thus the mother is saying, you can't see the child. They do spend a little FaceTime or a little phone time. He's just stressed out so much more with his job anyways. Now he can't see the child. Mm-hmm. We have uh, we've seen these cases uh, rush into court, and unfortunately, very common experiences for other families who uh, one of the parents has decided uh, unilaterally mm-hmm. in, in uh, most of these cases uh, to withhold access and to terminate access. Uh, 
uh, until further, you know, mm-hmm. notice. Even though there is a schedule in place, even though there is a parenting planning in place, and decision making is shared. So it's not the decision of the parent who is making the decision in these cases. So we've seen a number of cases right now before the courts um, on an emergency motion. And most of them have been uh, deemed by judges that are not emergencies. Uh, judges right now are encouraging parents to continue to follow their parenting plan and their orders. Yeah. And obviously, to ensure that everybody is taking every precaution yeah. as directed by the government and the health officials. And that's just that. Uh, the fact that you know you don't trust your co-parent. Uh, that's a very different issue because generally right now the co-parents are, are all co-parents are taking the measures because they're, and they're already, they're all saying we are taking all the precautions. Um, so it's not to say, it's not only one, one parent's choice, uh, to cut access. Um, so that's tough. That's tough for the child. That's tough for the parent. And, you know, in the case of, um, of the um, father that you're talking about, a first, yeah. first responder, there was a case before the court and the access was resumed, even though the, uh, the father in this particular case, I think the mother was, uh, was a healthcare provider and mm-hmm. she, was, she still had to be on the front lines. And the judge said clearly, well, then, you know, if they're on the front lines, they know exactly how to, how to, um, you know, develop those precautions and yeah. measures yeah. and follow them, follow them accordingly. So that's not, that's not a reason to stop. Yeah, and now, in, in fact, and uh, you continue, in fact, mm-hmm. people who are on the front lines have the, well, the experience and the training, the education right. to know how to better prepare themselves in relation to the us other people who are not privy to that kind of experience. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, and then on the other hand, you see parents who are working really well together. Yeah. And yet, yet, they are struggling to formulate a plan. So now, not only that they're creating a parenting plan, but now they add a very unique element to their parenting plan. How to deal with this temporarily. Because the fear of lots of parents is, okay, well, if mom now or dad is cutting my access, is this going to be forever? Is, is, now become, is this going to become my status quo? Mm-hmm. Am I going to see my child, you know, only on FaceTime or, or Skype or phone calls until I have to go to court, pay money, time, grief, all of that stuff? So that's a, that's a huge fear. And we've alleviated that fear with some of, uh, some of our families and parents by creating some some uh, guidelines to temporary guidelines that will be ap- applicable until COVID-19 has been resolved. So until this altering event has been resolved. And it could be a different altering event, Greg. It doesn't have to be necessarily this. Unfortunately, yeah. we find themselves, we ourselves uh, in, in this. But it could be any altering event. And there is a no need to increase the fear and the anxiety for the co-parents and the children, instead of dealing with and, and creating some guidelines to alleviate some of the concerns of this additional stress, there's, I'm just saying there's no need to add more stress. Who needs stress right now on top of whatever everything that's happening, right? So there are definitely ways that, uh, that can alleviate the... Yeah, though you know that the reality is that people, when they're under stress, they don't always make the most rational and substantive decision-making, the best, the healthiest ones. They get the, right. they provide that their emotions become the template for navigating with the decision-making. Right. Yeah. So I, I understand what you're saying. At the same time, we deal with the realities of how we try to, you know, the ideal is that when people, two parents can cooperate together, regardless of the situation that's going on in their daily lives and then the broader world, that they can manage those in a healthy, productive way amongst the two of them as a collaborative team. It's, you know, there's many situations where it's the relationship's disjointed, it's not connected, and there's no care to get it connected in any way. Right. I I, I do feel that if if families do get information, though, enough information to... um, to, um, 
decrease the stress and the tension surrounding this because I find that families who we work with or others work with and they they create some guidelines in some terms yeah um, it really it really decreases all the all the tension and the stress because they have foreseeability they they, they have they have elements like you know sharing the information how they transition be- between the homes they have things like you know when the children are you know how are, how is their hand washing routine for this particular uh, situation we find ourselves in so they have a very detailed on top of you know their regular schedule a very detailed plan and they also have something that says you know this is temporary change to the parenting schedule so you know it calms the co-parent that who doesn't see their children, it calms him or her down a little bit, that this is not forever, because this is a huge fear, especially for people who are in higher conflict. Yeah, and, and I mean, this is going to be used against them, right? Yeah, if it's the not child, okay. Right, and if the child's a younger child, mm-hmm. until the child reaches the age of majority, that they're able to make their own independent decisions, and that could be years. So, you know, there's the the reality of, what I like to try to do, rather than saying, per se, to minimize this, it's to actually uh, increase the positivity within the, the relationship, that format of co-parenting. And you do that from what you mentioned earlier, the empathy and the compassion. So, yeah, I have my point of view about how what's going on right now. At the same time, you also open yourself up to hear and learn of and about the other parent's perspective to appreciate where they're at and what they're going through instead of just being positional and saying that's the template you know i am imposing my way on you and you got to deal with it regardless of how you feel opening it up and collaborating and working together and making it a, a meaningful team process of some form All right because you're also you're also providing by working that way or one way whichever way you work you're providing a particular message to your child or to your children if you withhold access all of a sudden and you know the other parent is is following everything just like you're following you really are telling the child that you are doubting the the capacity of the other parent you're making your child or your children doubt the capacity of the other parent and that's not a message that you may want to expose your child to on top of everything that they have uh, to deal with. Also, there is the children also have a fear when schedule abruptly changes without their without their input because they really, you know, the younger they are, they mm. really can't really, uh, you know, well, they themselves. they don't as easily connect with the, that perspective. The more right. the older the child, the more sophisticated and the better capacity to appreciate those moments. Right, and they also have fears. They have fears about their mom, their dad, their, their loved ones, yeah. and their siblings, and they want to be in, in some form of uh, as, as, as close as possible to their routine. That is usually you know, the primary thing that gets implemented into a parenting plan. It's some form of a routine. Because I, I do feel that no matter what happens, um, a parenting plan should have some form of a mechanism, like a review mechanism or, or a resolve, a dispute, uh, a dispute resolution mechanism in case of things like this. Well, hopefully we're not going not gonna to experience things like this again. But in case of major disruptions happen. Yeah, the unexpected, uh, right? Right, right. Because Those, they do happen and they will happen. Doesn't yeah. have to be to this degree, but they do happen. Yeah, regardless of how we want them not to go or happen. What are we called? We're separated from each other. <laughs> but we're cooperating. We're we're working well together. Yeah, is that because we are separated from each other, or if you were in the same? We're way? happily separated. Are we? <laughs> and there is such thing. <laughs> I don't know, I you know. Are you considering my point of view? Because maybe I'm not as happy as you are. Uh, I think as long as I'm happy, you're happy. That's what you like to think or feel. That's what I like to think. Yeah. Sure. The world revolves totally around the big L. Laura. Thank you. We know that. <laughs> Thank so, you. So parenting planning through life-altering times. We talked about COVID that's going on. What other events could be 
considered as part of life altering? Well, there uh, any 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 life altering. So, and sometimes it depends. And I I, I am such a depends person. Uh, how people how people uh, view a life altering uh, event because some some may seem differently uh, to us than uh, than others. Um, but you know things like a like a like a death in a family, um, things like a like a wedding. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the a, a, a new sibling coming into the picture, if it's you know a new a new parent coming, a new step parent coming into the picture, yeah. things like that. It could be a, a life altering event, not just for the parents, but for the children as well. And that has to be taken into uh, into consideration and into account uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how do you deal with generally life altering events? Uh, me personally or with a family? No, you. You as an individual. Because, before I let you answer that, because you are, you intentionally made your decision to focus your practice in this kind of setting of people living through these kinds of experiences. And I would think that from you going through that in some way along with them, though you're not actually living it the same way, you are affected by it from it so how do you process that um i bury my feelings on the rock yeah i i go visit them sometimes what the rock or the, the rock the feelings I, I i move around the rock i yeah i try and get in touch with my feelings yeah um i try to i try very hard to um to understand how certain events affect me and how i can approach especially the negative impact into a healthier way because it is uh, much easier and uh, much quicker to resort resort to unhealthy uh, sort of um, uh, ways Mm -hmm. Uh, you know overeating binging ignoring uh, running away things like that it is easier uh, granted you know some people have to do it but uh, I, I try to I try to I try to take it seriously and I try to self care yeah. um, and um, and find a way to not necessarily if I deal with families whose stories and journeys are are quite heart wrenching really are really yeah, are right um, I I try to not identify myself with their story, but rather see myself as someone who has possibly helped in moving a little bit, a, a few stones out of the road, of their road, of their difficult journey. That's how I see myself, and I am, I'm, I'm, I'm at least um, grateful that I can be on their path mm-hmm. and uh, move away a few, a few obstacles. Um, so I try not to identify because identifying with uh, with what they're going through can be a very da- dangerous um, uh, dangerous path. So, um, mm-hmm. and my own life altering events, uh, I I wish I would be better at them, at how I deal with them. I don't necessarily deal with them in a very healthy way, but um, it takes time and it takes practice and it takes experience. I think at learning how to deal with with this uh, with this event so one by one because some will affect you very differently than other than others even though you know they may all be a death in the family right so uh, they may affect you very differently so I think you have to be prepared and you have to be open and you have to be accepting and you have to be kind to yourself so we got a couple of minutes left so I, I really want to do you have any suggestions that you can offer people to try to help themselves in making decisions about parenting, especially uh, during these kinds of profound especially times? Especially during this kind of profound times yeah. that we find ourselves with COVID. Yeah. Try, to, try to get on the same page as your former spouse for the sake of your children and yourself. Um, the more you work together, the better it is. Try and create boundaries and routines together in both of their homes to alleviate some of the stresses. And first and, for, and last and foremost, actually, I feel it's the most important thing. Stress can take a serious toll on your mental and physical health. So you're dealing with enough right now. There's a lot on your shoulders. 
that you're grappling with. So recognizing that stress is normal and dedicate some time for self-care. I think that's a very, very important piece. Yeah, I know too that, uh, and we're focused on couples who have transitioned from being a couple to now separates. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the reality that's going on in the world where couples, as you mentioned, still remain in the same household, though they separated. And there's an increase in the incidence of domestic violence, intimate partner violence, with regard to those situations. Mm. So that yes, that 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 yeah, yeah, that's a very that's a very uh, that's a very tricky one. Yeah, uh, I think I think in those particular situations, there I I believe there are still resources that are available for families who have to who who deal with that and experience domestic violence. Um, and that's something that it's it's a very very different added uh, element uh, on top of what's happening today. And despite uh, any other life altering event, uh, that in itself is uh, it's a huge thing that has to be dealt with as a priority. Right. So you have to be safe first and foremost. You have to be safe. Yeah, it starts with self. Yes. So, any comments to before we just I'm going to transition and we're going to totally separate. Before we transition and totally separate, yeah. I really do think that families should take to heart that this is a very, very difficult time. It's unknown for everybody. Everybody is dealing with stress in a very different way, and they have to allow that and accept and recognize that their own stress is not just their own. There are others who are dealing with very severe circumstances right now. And this is not the time to threaten with court or lawyers or ultimatums. This is the time that you have to work together. Okay. I want to thank you very much for uh, sharing our time together as we do once a month. Always enjoy this. And I thank you for um, allowing me to share this time together. Well, for sure. So take care. Be safe. Stay well. You too. You too. Be safe and healthy. Yeah, like everybody else who's connecting through listening. So have a good night. You too. All right. Good night, everyone. All right. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Mediation Station on CHHA, 1610 AM.